So today we celebrate the feast day of Corpus Christi. That term, Corpus Christi, is of course the Latin phrase for the thing that the priest, the ordinary minister of Holy Communion, or the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion says to us when we come up for communion, the body of Christ. We then say, Amen. Amen is a declarative statement that is saying, yes, amen, yes. It's like a thorough yes. That is to say, this is what I believe. As you say it, the body of Christ. So, we're in a three-year kind of um, Eucharistic revival, it's being called in the United States. And so there's three years where we're trying to, from a national level, a diocesan level, and a parish level, help evangelize and catechize the truth of the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. There was a little bit of a crisis a couple years ago as the, uh, the Pew Center for Research did this study on various beliefs, and one of the beliefs that they did was on Catholics' belief in the Eucharist. And the Pew Research Center reported what I think certainly myself and many, many, maybe clergy or um, other, other may, many of us out here already knew, which is the belief in Christ's true body, blood, soul, and divinity being present, not just a symbol in the Eucharist, was a little bit flimsy among Catholics. I'm going to read off some of the Pew Research statistics. 31% of all Catholics believe that, and this is the exact phrase, 31% of all Catholics surveyed believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and the wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus. 31%. So one-third of all Catholics, this was 2000, this was like late 2018, 2019, I think it got released. This is Pew, which is, you know, the best research out there. They don't really have a, a dog in the fight, so to speak. They're just reporting the statistics. They survey thousands. They say one-third, a little bit less than one-third of all Catholics believe that during Catholic Mass, the bread and the wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus. 43% of Catholics believe that the bread and wine are symbolic. 43% of Catholics believe that the bread and wine is symbolic. And also that this reflects the position of the church. So they think that this is actually the teaching of the church, that it is symbolic. Okay? 22% reject the idea of transubstantiation even though they do know the church's teaching. So that's the, the base and the body of those people who do know that the church teaches what it teaches, the, 
the previous statistic that I just mentioned, there's, there's a little bit of ignorance there. So that's poor catechesis on the part of families and the church itself. But this next statistic, again, that I just read, 22% who do know what the church teaches do not believe in the church's teaching. Okay, we come up here and we have the Eucharist held in front of us. And the, the priest says, or the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion says, the body of Christ. And the recipient says, Amen. Last week, I preached about reverence and awe of God and the mystery of God. How incomprehensible it is to even get into the realm of talking about who God is and, and, and just the words we even use with God are incapable of getting us into a place where we can kind of coherently even have thoughts about God. God has given us certain rational capacities to understand God, and God has given us certain rational, um, he has given us, excuse me, certain revelations about himself. And so we're able to kind of talk about God in a semi-coherent way, but even when we talk about God, even the things that he's revealed to us, it's just a little taste of who God is. It's that which is necessary for us to move um, towards him and gain communion with him. God has humbled himself, becoming a human being, inviting us into relationship with himself. Now, this affects how we understand who God is. And what I spoke about last week was we've lost a lot of the reverence and the awe for the otherness of God. Because there's always a balance going on between the accessibility that God offers us, which is quite beautiful. That's why God became a human being. That's why Jesus gave us the sacrament of the Eucharist. This accessibility. God wants friendship with us, which is just tremendously humbling and beautiful and hard to comprehend. God's made himself very little. So that balance between the accessibility of God and the otherness of God, we just stand in reverence of how different and how great and how majestic God is. And how we have overemphasized the accessibility of God, which can kind of take away some of our reverence, our awe, and the truths. And so the way that we worship is very, very important. The disposition with which we come to Mass is very, very important. And the same thing holds for this holy truth of the Eucharist. How we approach God. Now, up until like 50 years ago, in the church since the Second Vatican Council, we worshiped in a, a, a fairly markedly different way. And I know I'm speaking about last week's homily a lot, but I see these as two in the same. And so there's this phenomena of people going back to the traditional Latin Mass nowadays. It's like really popular among especially young Catholics. 
It's very, uh, it's very interesting. It's like, why is that? Why is that? It's because of the reverence for the mysteries. It's because that which is being um, aimed towards is, is being expressed beautifully. And so, about 70 years ago, the Second Vatican Council, we kind of maybe had a little bit of an overreaction to making God accessible. There's like a reaction of maybe God wasn't as accessible, uh, people felt, and so there's this kind of like severe reaction. Not in the church's documents, just in the popular way that we ourselves celebrated the Mass, etc., etc. And so when we're talking about these Pew Research statistics which are really truly sad from from a priest's point of view you know as seminarians very early on we are taught that um, the one of the best practices you can have is to spend an hour every single day in front of the blessed sacrament in front of Jesus adoring him and building that friendship up with him I know as a young man becoming a, uh, coming into my faith, this was the most important thing that I learned and that it really, really um, made an impact on me was, wow, God is present in the Eucharist. Jesus is present. He stayed with us, just like he said he would. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. I should be going to Mass every day. That was like a eureka moment. I need to be going to Mass every day. Why would I want to go a day without receiving him? And so what we used to have in the old church was we used to have these altar uh, rails. And that could sound kind of old-fashioned or maybe just, I don't know, um, a little too formal, let's say, um, for, for, for some people when you immediately say that. But there's this division that happened in the physical space of the church, right? And so these symbols are very important. They're tremendously important. And so you can even see as, we're, as you're looking at St. Mike's right now, how the, what is the highest point in this actual church? It's that which the altar is upon, the place of sacrifice and the tabernacle. And so there's this rising, and so there's a symbolism here. It, this is a sacred and holy space. We call this the sanctuary. And so what there used to be was this, these altar rails. So people would always receive Holy Communion kneeling on the altar rail. The priest would come by and one by one he would give it to people generally um, on the tongue. And what receiving on the tongue did was it allowed for there not to be any kind of goofiness that takes place. So as a priest, you kind of walk into these very sad situations fairly, fairly often, unfortunately, where um, you, you find the Blessed Sacrament in a missile or something like that, or on the floor, or a person puts it in their pocket, things like that. So kind of um, these sacrileges that happen, and it may be intentional, it may not be intentional. But the fact of the matter is, if you receive on the tongue, then you kind of minimize complications, so to speak. And, and, and it's not, receiving on the tongue doesn't mean that it's, you know, you're unworthy to hold Jesus with your hand because he's still touching your, your tongue anyways, right? It's still your person. That's not the message being sent. It's, it's meant to be a, 
a more reverent, streamlined way of receiving Holy Communion with the posture of we are on our knees, and for those who are able to, to kneel, um, before the Lord who saves us and who has given himself to us and who really is humbling himself much more than we are ever capable of humbling ourselves before him. And so these symbols are very important, and we can understand how some of these statistics come out with the Pew Research data, right, when we walk down, as this is my whole childhood and growing up, is if you're a kid, even if you go to Mass every Sunday, and you're seeing the, the things that we see, how we receive Holy Christ, just kind of, you're coming down in the assembly line almost like um, in a very casual manner, that communicates an idea about what we believe. Of course it does. Of course it does. We, we can bring uh, our children to Mass or try to raise them in a particular way, but if, 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 the, children do not be, if the children do not believe that their parents actually believe in anything, I'm not just talking about, about the Eucharist or, or belief in Christ, anything, then, of course, the children will not believe if they don't believe that the, that the parents actually believe. And so our outward expressions and how we do things, that's what really will allow for a Eucharistic revival, as far as I'm concerned. And so the USCCB has, this is wonderful, has just kind of had these, these three years. We're in year two of three. The first one was not um, out there in public. It was kind of planning at a diocesan level. This will eventually culminate next summer in a massive, um, people are saying thousands and thousands and thousands of people will come together in Indianapolis for a, uh, a major Eucharistic event. Um, it should be quite beautiful. They'll do it at the convention center right next to where the, uh, the Colts play. And this will be a great assembly, great expression, but also, these are the things that we, we need to be doing if we, if we want to communicate that we do believe that Jesus is here, that he is present in this deep mystery. And the mystery, just to summarize, just to, just to speak in a very effective way about why this is beautiful in, in summary here at the end of the homily. This is the end. Okay? Is... Jesus says right before the Last Supper, which is the first Mass, and the first time that he's giving his, um, himself in this way to the church, to the first 12 priests, first 12 bishops of the church, he, he has this kind of preamble sentence. I have deeply desired to share this meal with you. So he's not just talking to them that night. He's talking to all of us, all of those who belong to him, throughout human history who would come to believe and form this friendship that he offers. I have deeply desired to share this meal with you. The Eucharist is God's desire to be with us. It is God's desire for intimacy with us. It is God's way of strengthening us. 
giving us courage, giving us rest. I have deeply desired to share this meal with you. As in a few moments here as we pray silently, I would like us to imagine and consider Jesus speaking that to us because he does speak that to us. And that's why he shared those words at the Last Supper. That was for every Mass that we would ever attend throughout the course of our lives. I have deeply desired to share this meal with you. That is to say, myself with you. Lord, we ask you to give us a deeper communion with you. Give us a capacity and a disposition to receive you well. As we look forward to a friend, seeing a friend who we love, help us to have that same disposition as we receive you every single week in the Eucharist or daily. Help us to never take for granted or just go through the motions, Lord just like we don't want to go through the motions with our family. It's like we want to cherish those moments. Help us to cherish the moments that you give us, especially as we receive you. We desire your presence in us, Lord. Strengthen us. Strengthen our families. Give us harmony. Give us the peace that we all desire, that we know that you offer us. We ask for your presence. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Let me just take a few moments in silent meditation with Jesus.